Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Thursday, August 11th, 2022. At our top story today, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Is there an impact on retirement plans or your retirement plans? Well, joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Kevin Walsh is a principal with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Kevin, so great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks, Jeff. It's always great to be here, and it's always great to speak to the viewers. Absolutely. Let's talk about the Inflation Reduction Act just passed the, uh, I think it just passed the Senate. Um, Tell us about this one, and does it have any ramifications for retirement plans? Because that's one of the things we talk about on this network. Yeah, so the Inflation Reduction Act was really kind of a, a bullet that was dodged by the you know retirement community, retirement savers in general. Um, if, if folks remember, there's been talk about a reconciliation package being put together uh, for really the last you know eleven months at this point, uh, with a focus on you know environmental changes, uh, worker protection, a recent focus on inflation reduction, and then uh, a fair amount of you know. Uh, changes to prescription drug pricing. Uh, and when you have a bill that's going to do a whole bunch of things, uh, and at one point they were talking three and a half trillion dollars worth of spending, uh, I think it ended up being about a, a three quarters of a, of, a, of a trillion dollar bill, so significantly less. Um, but one of the things that, that constantly comes up is where do you find the revenue? And if we look at the first iterations of Build Back Better last year, uh, there were a number of provisions that related to, you know, retirement savings, particularly related to the type of investments one could make in an IRA, um, the amount of money one could have in a in a retirement savings plan or in an IRA uh, in general, um, and other areas where, you know, essentially the retirement savings, the piggy bank for workers, in some ways was being converted to a piggy bank to be tapped um, for, you know, you know, spending that may be worthwhile, um, but that was going to pull away. Uh, retirement savings. And, you know, after, you know, 10 months of, of stalled negotiations and whatnot, um, Senate Democrats put together a, a final reconciliation package, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, and fortunately for retirement savers, there were no uh, retirement taxes included in it. Now, there were some last minute hiccups where there was some fear as recently as uh, Saturday afternoon that the retirement system could come into play. Um, one of the challenges with the reconciliation package is that uh, right before final package passage by the Senate, there tends to be an opportunity or there is an opportunity for essentially unlimited amendments. Um, one amendment did succeed and kind of blew a hole in the, the revenue needed to pay for the spending in the bill. Uh, and it left Democratic leaders scrambling to find a, a source of revenue. And, and for, I think, an hour or two, I was sitting there, you know, huddled up in a corner hoping that that we wouldn't be the ultimate piggy bank and that I wouldn't have to get on the phone with anybody. Um, and, and, you know, they found a different revenue source. So uh, at bottom, there's been a whole lot of talk about reconciliation. There's been a whole lot of talk about Build Back Better. There's been a lot of talk about Inflation Reduction Act. Um, and it's moving to the House, uh, likely to they'll pass the identical version, the Senate version. This is a tough bill to make changes to. Um, but for retirement savers who've been focused on the reconciliation package as a potential source of of new taxes on the retirement system, it appears to have been, um, you know, a, a, an issue we managed to skirt. 
Yeah, I'm trying to imagine you curled up in a ball in the corner. Um, you know, no, having known you for a while, I, I don't see that as a, a, a potential outcome. Uh, Kevin, I want to, you know, one of the things we've talked about here on the network, but also with you and, and your colleague, David Levine, um, on the podcast every Sunday is about secure. And uh, so now that I guess technically, I, I know it has to go to the house, it's got to be signed under the law, all those kind of things. But where do we stand on uh, coming back up with a uh, comprehensive secure 2.0, a comprehensive retirement bill? Is that stalled? Is that further going to be further delayed based on this reconcil- this passage of a reconciliation bill? Well, so the uh, the biggest challenge that Secure faces is the Senate calendar. Uh, so the House passed a version of Secure um, a couple months ago now. The Senate has been working on Secure as well, um, where they have two different bills they're working on, and they'll need to merge in order to have a companion piece of legislation. Um, and right now we are in Senate recess, so. Uh, between now and Labor Day, the members of the Senate are back in their home states uh, working on campaigning and working on, you know, addressing constituent concerns face to face. And what that means is that in terms of, you know, much movement, uh, there really won't be much movement on secure between here and and the beginning of September. Um, that then leaves us facing kind of a, a crunch the rest of the year where we've got September, October, where some work will get done. But also that beginning of November, we've got an election coming up. So so folks will want to spend more time in their home states. And then after the election, there's that lame duck session where, you know, if there's a change in control, if there isn't a change in control, um, kind of depending on how the election goes, folks may be more or less willing to, you know, view it as one final hurrah for this Congress uh, to try to get its priorities done as opposed to funding them to next year. Uh, I think it's a wait and see. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Secure gets attached to something this year. Um, but, you know, as we get later in the year, um, it does have me looking out to 2023 more. But Kevin, I'm reminded, I think 2019 Secure 1.0, didn't that pass last minute? Uh, again, all, all circumstances are different. Um, you know, it, it all depends on the partisan rancor, if you will. Um, but it seems uh, retirement is a bipartisan issue. I, I can't get anybody to, to disagree with supporting retirees and people in retirement where we have fixed incomes and inflation. So could we see that? And I think you're indicating that we could see a mass uh, scramble at the end that'd be like, all right, let's get this attached to something. So we could see a scramble in in November, December this year after the election is is kind of the the time window if it's going to move this year that I would think would move. Um, So I guess one thing to keep in mind is that, you know, if the Senate flips, there will be incentives for uh, Senate Democrats to try to get as many individuals confirmed as possible between here and the change of control, because, you know, confirmation requires a majority. Um, and at something like bipartisan retirement legislation could possibly be something that you then leave to the next team because you yeah. can still get a half a loaf. Um, that being said, you know, there's a, a handful of must pass bills that will come up. There'll probably be a transportation funding bill. There's going to be, you know, a spending bill for next year for, you know, the the executive agencies as a whole, uh, each of these will present an opportunity for retirement legislation to be, you know, attached as a, as kind of a, a, a folded into these pieces. So, you know, I, I don't think they're going to spend floor time on secure by itself, but with a number of must pass pieces of legislation coming up before the end of the year, there's plenty of opportunities uh, for folks to, to push for this to be 
to be achieved in 2022. Well, I guess it's a wait and see, and we're going to have to check back in with you and David Levine on a weekly, bi-weekly basis to see how things are unfolding. Kevin, as usual, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about retirement litigation. Yep, it's uh, morphing into something else. How's it impact passive investments? I think you're going to want to stay tuned right here on VRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repaired for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. We are talking this morning to Kevin Walsh. He's a principal with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Kevin, thanks so much for sticking around with us this morning. Thanks, Jeff. It's always good to be here. So, you know, getting a second segment in, talking to the viewers about a second topic is always exciting. Yeah, this is exciting stuff. And I, I think for people... Uh, who maybe don't have the insight into the retirement industry, the financial services, or the benefits industry. There's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of regulatory entities that have oversight. Uh, Kevin, I want to talk to you now about the evolution. I said morphing, but it's really an evolution of retirement litigation. And uh, for the first time that I can remember, uh, some of this litigation is now going after passive investments. Um, 
first define a passive investment for us, and then let's talk about um, the evolution here. Okay, so so typically when we think of uh, of you know investments, which are fund investments, where we've got a, a manager who is is holding a basket of things on your behalf, uh, we break them into two categories. We typically have an active category or a passive category. Um, so the active category is one where the manager has a strategy and the manager is making decisions to affirmatively, you know, invest in something or not invest in something. And it's based on, you know, how they feel about it. Um, now, passive investing is the, the manager identifies on index or identifies something out there and says, you know, instead of investing how I feel about something, I'm going to try to invest the same way as that other thing. So the most commonly used example would be an S&P 500 index fund where, you know, you've got the S&P 500 and they publish their list of stocks. They post the list of, you know, weightings of holdings and a manager says, I'm going to do an S&P 500 index fund, passive index fund. And if you invest with me, instead of buying my fund for how, you know, brilliant I am at managing, you're buying my fund because I'm just going to copy that. Um, and, you know, typically if we think about this, an active fund where a manager has to, you know, spend time and figure out what to invest in, active funds tend to have slightly higher fees. Passive funds where the manager is, you know, really, you know, picking up the newspaper and saying, I'm buying all of those, uh, tend to have lower fees. But so the distinction tends to be, you know, the manager's doing more thought work on the one side and getting a higher fee and active and doing, you know, more copying and taking a lower fee uh, on the passive side. So, so Kevin, with that as the background, and typically these retirement plan litigation suits up until recently have been focused on, uh, I would think, you know, the fees, whether you're paying too much, too little, the share classes, all the pieces around that. And if you're talking about an S&P 500, the fund manager, they just make a decision to manage to that index, but that index is generally determined by an S&P, a Russell, MSCI, one of those companies that creates the index. So how has the evolution occurred and, and what are what are these some of these cases about? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think you're, you're kind of hitting the nail on the head here. What the types of cases we've traditionally seen, we've traditionally seen cases where they say, you know, manager, you were doing decision making and you had a conflict. So, you know, you're picking your own, you're, you're investing in your own sub funds, you're buying your own securities, um, you had a conflict and that was, that, that hurt me as a retirement saver. Um, or you see with an active manager or wherever you see an allegation that, uh, look, manager, um, for every dollar you get in fees, I have a dollar less in retirement savings and the fees you're charging seem too high. So plan fiduciary, you pick this fund that had higher fees, those higher fees ate away at my savings, I'm unhappy. Um, and that, that's that been kind of the bulk of the litigation for really the last 15 years of, of, of fee litigation. Uh, and in the last you know week and a half now, two weeks, we've seen a whole bunch of complaints alleged uh, that when a plan fiduciary picked a passive fund, um, that the, the retirement savers were hurt. And there the allegation is, hey, look, uh, plan fiduciary, your job is to find me really good investment options because what I care about is how much money I have in retirement. Um, if you pick somebody just because they have low fees, um, for every dollar of, of not good investment performance they have, I lose a dollar of retirement savings. So essentially, you know, 
go pick better options. Uh, and it'll take some time for these to play out. Uh, and it's, it's also something we've been harping on for a while in terms of talking about you know, the need to modernize the investments or the opportunity to modernize investments for 401k plans. Um, I think fees matter. And you know, based on these, these cases, fees still matter. Um, but while fees has been kind of a simplistic discussion we've been having for, for 10 years, these cases could signify a bit of a shift from um, performance to this longer phrase that I think is better, which is risk-adjusted performance net of fees. So at the end of the day, if, if Jeff or I are saving for retirement, um, I care about fees, um, but I also care about performance because at bottom, what I want to have is the most dollars in my retirement account. Um, and I'm happy either getting more dollars by better performance or paying less dollars in fees. Um, but both of them are really levers uh, and, and focusing on one or the other could be, you know, leave me worse off. Now, here with this, this fee litigation, moving to passives, I think we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out. Um, given the volume of, of cases that have been filed in the past week and a half, it's tough to see a strategy where, you know, a plaintiff firm could take all these through judgment. So there's still some bewilderment about what, what the game plan is here. Um, but if you're a planned fiduciary, if you're a, you know, if you're, you know, an investor, um, it, it just serves as another reminder that, you know, just picking the lowest fee option may not always be the most prudent option. Yeah. Kevin, let me just follow up on this, because as you're talking about this, having lived through fee disclosure and the last 10 years of working with retirement plans, I feel like we've kind of gotten to this place because of fee litigation. Now it's like, and this is my speaking, this is not putting words in your mouth, but it kind of feels like it's circuitous, right? I mean, it's like we got to this point where everyone went passive because they were concerned about the value and the risk-adjusted return. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> they flip, people are flipping the script, and now it's about what I could have missed out. Well, hey, had I bought a lottery ticket a couple of weeks ago with the right numbers, I would have had a billion dollars, Kevin, and we wouldn't even be having a conversation right now. I mean, I, I think you're making a great point. I think that's one of the frustrating things here, which is that that you know the the labor department, plaintiff counsel, uh, there's been so much of a focus on fees that, you know, and I, I don't know what happened here, um, but there's been such a focus on fees that it would be easy to see where a planned fiduciary would say, well, you know what, when we're when we're putting together our our list of things to think about, we're going to put fees as one, we're going to put fees as two, and we're going to put fees as three. Mm. Um, because that, that really is what the last 10, 15 years of, of litigation would encourage. Um, but, you know, this serves as a reminder that, you know, a, a prudent process involves fees, but it involves, it involves other factors as well. Yep. And that's where the documentation that you and David espouse all the time when you're in those meetings, document, 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 write down your decision making, have an investment policy that allows you the flexibility to, to make the decisions you need to make as fiduciaries. Kevin Walsh, we're going to have to leave it there. Very, very interesting segment. Really appreciate you coming on the program again this morning. Thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thanks, Jeff. And thanks, viewers. That wraps up this episode of BRN AM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website and, of course, our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRN AM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Waiting here for you.
Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.